0: Jesus is alive, and two weeks ago I preached on the ascension, that Jesus went to be with the Father and is now seated at his right hand. Some people picked up that the squiggly line obviously means the Spirit of God descended, which is what we celebrated last week at Pentecost. This uh, sort of two-way thing, uh, replicating this, is now the age of the church in which Jesus We go out in the power of the Holy Spirit, anointed the way that Jesus was, to preach the gospel and to demonstrate and declare the kingdom. And finally, heaven and earth come together, and God will be all and in all. That was our, um, that was my gospel thing. There's the ascension. There's the Spirit. And I want to have a little bit more discussion around your tables again today. And so prepare yourself for that if you are on the introverted end of things. Okay, it's going to be all right. We can do it. I'm with you. Um, And my question is, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? It's quite an important question to be clear on. Uh, Paul says in, in Romans 1 the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel message is that which God uses to bring salvation to people. So if we want salvation, we've got to know the gospel. And if we're in the business, like the, the picture said, of going out and sharing the gospel, then we need to know what it is. Now, There's a fun little sort of exercise I want to put you through. Fun for me. I hope it's fun for you too. Uh, And it's a sort of a little challenge. You know what? This is what I want you to discuss around your tables. This is also why you've got a bit of paper and a pencil ready to scribble something down. What is the gospel in 10 words? Could you sum up the gospel If you only had 10 words to use, what about five words? Could you put it like that? What about three words? Can you sum up the gospel? What about one word? If in some bizarre situation you had one word to share the gospel with someone, what would that word be? Okay? so. What I want you to do is discuss this question around the the table. We'll take a few minutes to do this, five five plus minutes, depending on how the conversations go, and I want you to scribble down what you reckon you would say in 10, 5, 3, and one word. Make sense? All right, have a go. good to see you bro bro. (laughs) do you need more time or can we gather it back together more time no okay No objections, I'm going back to it. Blue. So, who would like to go first? It's feedback time. Let's start with the 10 category. Who wants to share their 10 word gospel? Here we go. Very good. Did anyone else quote uh, John three sixteen as their ten word summary? I know Gary these guys did, yeah. Okay. Any other ten word summaries that you want to share? Okay. Philosophy Corner is gonna share with us now. <laughs> there we go. God reconciling the world to himself with his son Jesus. Beauty. Very good, very good. <laughs> Did everyone hear that? Yeah. Any other ten word gospels out there? What about five? Who's sitting on a really good five word gospel that they're just desperate to share? No one? Renee. Okay. Hang on, let have a, have a- be amplified. God's promise of new life. Ooh, very good. Very good. Yeah. God's love for us through Jesus. God's love for us through Jesus. Very good. Very good. Okay. What about three? Is anyone able to sum up the gospel in three words? Read the Bible. <laughs> okay, yeah. Is that instructions to me? Like, are <laughs> you sort of think... I, mean, I was getting asked what is the gospel in like three words. Right? right, yeah, 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 yeah. So we have sin, resurrection, reconciliation. Okay. Not so much a sentence, but a sort of, you know, sin, like the movement of sin, re- sin resurrection, reconciliation? Yeah. Oh, cool. and um, good news. Cool. Okay. Okay, one word. Who can preach the gospel in one word? Matthew. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Did anyone else have the word the name Jesus as their one-word gospel? Alright. We're we're mostly all on the same page, I think. That's really good. Okay. I'll I'll show you what I came up with. I I uh, um I I like to use a little bit of a colon and a semicolon here and there. So for me, in ten words, Jesus crucified and risen, Israel's Messiah and Lord of all. In five, crucified, risen, Jesus is Lord. In three, Jesus is Lord. And in one, let's all say together, Jesus. That's right. Okay. Let's go back to Acts. I need to put this down. My reflection on this little exercise is that it's quite difficult in the sense that there's so much you can say, but actually it's quite easy once you get down to one word because there's only one thing that we need to say. There's one name in heaven and on earth by which we are to be saved, and it's Jesus. And so all of the things that we might possibly say about the gospel, about who God is and what he's done, we can sum up in that name. What a beautiful name it is. Good song. What today's reading from Acts 2 is the first gospel sermon preached after Jesus Death, resurrection, and ascension, and sending of the Spirit. In Acts 1, Jesus ascended to the Father and sat down at his right hand, but he told his disciples to wait for him in Jerusalem for the gift that the Father would send. And in Acts 2, the first part, we see them together, devoted to prayer, waiting on God. And then the Holy Spirit comes and lands on them like tongues of fire, and they all begin to speak in strange tongues. And this is an incredible sign for all the people around, because gathered in Jerusalem were every tribe and every tongue and every nation almost. They were all there, and they heard this sound. Uh, And initially they thought... These guys must be drunk. This is crazy. They're drunk. Peter says, no, 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 they're not drunk. This is, the, this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. This is the sending of the Spirit. And all these people of different languages were able to hear what they were saying in their own language. Because God was showing, was proving that he, the one God, had done this thing through Christ and poured out his spirit to reunite a people for himself. Well, last week, I sort of stopped uh, with with Peter's phrase. He says that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But that wasn't the end of his sermon. He goes on. Into what Janus read for us just before, and he starts out by quoting or by telling the story of Jesus. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words: Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up." According to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. There's the crucified and risen portion of our gospel presentation. And then Peter goes on to quote the psalm that i opened our service with today, Psalm 16. For David says concerning him, and here's the quote from the psalm, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your holy one see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. The Psalm Peter is saying uh, goes before Christ. It uh, it both prophesies in the sense of foretelling, but it also. Forth tells it; it declares; it makes known who this Christ is. He's the one that we we learnt a few weeks earlier from from Luke, uh, where Jesus told them about Himself in the Scriptures. He's the one that the Scriptures always pointed towards. So Peter, then I'm going to skip over a little bit here, but Peter talks. About King David, the prophet and the ancestor of Jesus. And that although Peter wrote this uh, as a psalm and, and probably thinking of himself, in fact, he was preparing the way, he was writing about Jesus. And Peter rounds this uh, description of King David out with a quote from Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand. Until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, an interesting little fact for you is this psalm, Psalm, well, Psalm 110, verse 1, is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. I think that's because it is sort of a shorthand summary, not just for the whole psalm that uh, we could look into, but It speaks exactly to the thing that the gospel declares, which, in my way of putting it, in my three-word thing, is that Jesus is Lord. So Peter interprets these psalms and this Davidic history and sort of rounds it out in this way. He says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you you crucified. The gospel is the declaration that Jesus is the Messiah of Israel and the Lord of all. Two weeks ago when I put those Wingding, arrows up on the screen. Uh, I talked about the way J- the gospel is a declaration of who Jesus is, his identity, his status, his title, his, uh, just who he is in and of himself, but also what he has done. Who he is, is Lord and Christ, and what he's done is to be crucified on our behalf, for our sins, and then raised so that we might have new life. Acts 2.21, Peter says, said in a previous part of his sermon, that it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I said earlier that Paul in Romans writes that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God unto salvation. Now, if the gospel is about Jesus, and if we can sum it up in who he is, Lord, and what he's done to be crucified and risen. A natural question that you might ask is what next? What do we do about it? What does someone who's heard this gospel, either for the first time or for the hundredth time, what do we do about it? So here's the thing about the name Christ, and the title of Lord. If the gospel is that Jesus is Lord, and as uh, Paul writes elsewhere, you know, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. The phrase Jesus is Lord is not a magical phrase. That we just sort of say and then find ourselves saved. Jesus is Lord has content. It has meaning. Now, years ago, I was uh, living not very far from here on Liston Crescent. And uh, some people knocked on my door. And they... Uh, they were they were preaching, and they they came and they said they we had a discussion. I don't remember most of it, and then they sort of said to me, you know, like, so who is who is Jesus? And I said, oh, Jesus is Lord. You know, it's cool. And they said, oh, so yeah, you say that, say that again. And was, something triggered in my brain. I was like, what? What? I just said it. What are you, what are you on about? Right. Well, <clears throat> I happened to know because someone had been talking with us a little bit earlier, that there was a group in town that were sort of going around and telling people that to be saved, they had to say, Jesus is Lord, three times, right? (laughs) This was a real thing. And so this triggered in my brain, and I realized these characters, I know they had the best intentions, but they were trying to get me to say Jesus is Lord three times so that they could then tell me that I was saved and that I should go to their church, right? Now, this is what I mean, that Jesus is Lord is not just a sort of magic incantation that you say the right words and then you get saved, you get the benefit. Jesus is Lord means Jesus is the boss, the king, the ruler over all. And so if I confess Jesus is Lord, I'm not just stating a fact. I'm not just saying, uh, here's a piece of information that I know. I'm down on my knees and I'm confessing and I'm pledging my allegiance to the world's true king. That is what the gospel involves. It involves us saying he is the one. He is the one that deserves and has earned and is worthy of all praise, worthy of all my life, worthy of my allegiance. So back to Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Peter tells them straight, he says, Let the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, Lord means ruler. Christ also means king, the anointed spirit-anointed saviour king. This Jesus whom you crucified. And in verse 37, Acts says, Now when they heard this, the listeners heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? those who heard Peter's gospel sermon knew that it required a response. So Peter answers them. He said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you And for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. The response to the declaration of the gospel that Jesus is Lord is our repentance, our confession, and our baptism into Him. That is how we find forgiveness of sin and that is how we receive the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 that this is what God has done for us. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us To the kingdom of his beloved Son. When I talk about, and when the scriptures talk about the gospel as the power of God unto salvation, we might also, having asked what is the gospel, we might also ask what is salvation. Now, there's a lot we could say there too, right? A lot of us will have been raised in a tradition where salvation is sort of primarily talked about in terms of uh, our eternal fate. Are we going to heaven or are we going to hell? And undoubtedly that is part of what our salvation purchases for us. Is eternal life with God forever forever. And forgiveness from the sin that would lead to death and destruction. But I want to challenge you a little bit further to say that salvation is not only about that future hope. It is a hope that begins in the here and in the now. Because salvation means being transferred from one kingdom that Paul describes as a kingdom of darkness... Living in deceit, living in fear, living in sin, living unable to fulfill who you are in God. And we are transformed into the kingdom of light of His Son, Jesus Christ. When we confess that Jesus is Lord, we are moved from this one place, this place of darkness, into this place of light in the Son. And that begins now. Now. And it's significant that this happens, this is, uh, that we're, we're talking about this in a sort of a season of Pentecost. Because what it means is that having been uh, living our lives outside of God, we've been transformed, transferred to living our lives in God. If you look at the language of the New Testament About salvation and about what God has done, a lot of it has to do not so much with where we're going, but where we are. We were in the world and we're now in the world, but not of the world. We're now in Christ. That's one of Paul's favorite phrases. We're in Christ. That's a mysterious thing. What does it mean for us to be in Jesus? It means that we've been welcomed into the, the life of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and positionally we are in the Messiah. We belong to him. We're part of his body. Now, we don't think so much in our day and in our time about kingdoms and Kings and stuff, because we live in a democracy, right, but imagine for yourself, maybe even imagine yourself in a um, it could be a medieval setting or an ancient setting or a a fantasy setting tolkien i don 't know who uh, the the world in which you live is sort of uh, the the life you're living is determined by who is the king of that place. And the gospel is the, the declaration that although we look outside and we see a lot of darkness, we see a lot of people living in the kingdom of darkness, we ourselves have, have been shown and called, summoned to follow and serve the world's true Lord. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transformed us into His beloved Son. What is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus is Lord, that He died for our sins. For the forgiveness of our sins and that he was raised on the third day and he appeared to many witnesses. And that having appeared to people, he ascended to the right hand of the Father and he sat down on high with his enemies beneath his feet, defeated. And from there he sent his Holy Spirit into the world. And anyone who wants to be part of that kingdom is summoned to him by the Spirit. And we have this great joy, this great life set before us of living in his kingdom. And a saved life is not a life simply of waiting for the grave so that we can go and be with God. It's a life that acknowledges that God is with us now by the Spirit. That Jesus is already King, already Lord. And we're here to serve him, to go out in his power. That brings me to an end of my sermon, but I want to pray for you all before we close. Um, remember that we have a cup of tea and biscuits and stuff down the back and we're staying for food and, and games. Father, I thank you so much that your spirit has come, is here and your spirit dwells among us. Your presence is with us and your spirit testifies within us and calls us to your son, Jesus. I thank you that we have been transferred from this place of darkness to this kingdom of your son, Jesus. I pray for this church the individuals here and for us as a body, that we would more and more become a reflection, a faithful reflection of your kingdom. I pray that we would be a people empowered by your spirit to share your gospel. And that just as we saw at Pentecost, people would come to know Jesus as Messiah, as Lord, as Saviour. God, empower us with whatever you want to empower us. Give us the vision to see what you want us to do. Give us the strength and the energy to do it. I thank you, God, for all of your great works. And I pray for more. I ask, God, that you would show us and empower us and and find us faithful to see more of you at work in the world. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to gather to praise you. And I pray your blessing on this people as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, everybody. Um, God bless you.